the most convenient way to pay is when the implant is near the end of the hand. In my case, it's at the top of the palm between the fourth and fifth finger. If I want to pay with that, I just tap my hand to the payment terminal, the place where the NFC reader is placed and the connection is established and then I pay for my, for my shopping. That's how it works. Welcome to the Mr. Rat Show, where I talk to the most interesting global personalities about the future of humanity. Hello, beautiful humans. I'm joined today by Wojtek Paprota. He is a transhumanist and founder of two companies that sell a technology in form of chips, or better said, implants that you can put under your skin. For some, this is super controversial. For others, this is just another way of hacking your body and augmenting, improving the human experience through technology. Wojtek, how are you doing? Hey, thank you for such an introduction. I'm doing well. How about you? Thanks for having me in the, in the podcast. Yeah, I'm, it's a pleasure to have you, man. So many things to unpack here. And first of all, I want to ask you, do you get a lot of hate or rejection for what you do? Of course, it's inevitable because whenever you are working on a disruptive innovation and a new technology, something that breaks the paradigm, it's inevitable because people, when they are not sure about what the other person is doing, are always skeptical. And that's natural. When you look at the product's life cycle, at the very beginning, there's only a small portion of people that are called early innovators or even evangelists that are keen to try it out. But the majority of people will definitely show the skepticism, which is, which is in fact positive because it's of course has its roots in the very, very ancient times when there was something that was normal. People used to consider that as a danger and after a certain education about it, then they can adapt that. So that's, that's, that's okay. I, I'm not expecting everyone to like it, but once I explain how it works and let's say kill the objections, probably everyone or mostly everyone is excited and positive towards this idea. Maybe even wanting to try them out. That's another extreme, but yeah, like some <laughs> of them, some of them went from one extreme to another. So definitely, definitely it's possible. So how many people from what you understand in the world already have implants under their skin? So implants, the smart implants, of course, that's what we are talking about at the moment, have been on the market since let's say 2013, I should say, because 2013 was the time, was the year when the biggest online store with implants was launched. Its name is Dangerous Things, run by Amal Grafstra, a co-founder of Waltmore. And according to the data from Dangerous Things, there have been more than 200,000 people that have purchased an implant. Whatever it is for opening doors, whatever it is for sharing the information on an NFC tag, because we are talking about NFC and RFID, of course or unlocking anything which is possible to be unlocked with the NFC or logging to protected systems. There are multiple applications that the implants can be used for, including payments. So we are talking about hundreds of thousands at the moment. Hundreds of thousands of people. 
that you're aware, aware of. of. Yeah. Okay. So what is NFC? Because you mentioned that. Let's unpack that a bit because I think people don't understand what yeah, kind of technology this important. is. It's very important to clarify, to, of course, explain everything very clearly. So NFC stands for Near Field Communication. It means that a passive device, which doesn't have a source of energy, can be connected through the electronic electromagnetic waves with the active device, which has a certain uh, source of energy. So to put it into simple words, let's imagine that your phone, which has a battery, is an active device. And for example, the tag that you have, the card that you have, let's say it's a business card, is a passive device. So you just tap your phone to the card and you can see what are the business details that are programmed at this business card. That's so, one of the examples. Okay, so l let me let me stop you there. So basically, my credit card is a passive device and my phone or let's say the machine that reads a credit card when you pay in a store, that's an active device? Yes, that's exactly how it, how it looks. And the active device, due to the fact that it has a source of energy in phone, it's a battery inside in the payment terminal is probably a cable that is plugged into the electricity. They are getting the energy from somewhere and they are sending electromagnetic waves that are, that when they, they are meeting the passive device, for example, a card or yeah. an implant, they are reading, they enable the power device, they're enabling the power, the, the active device to read data that is written on the microchip, which is, let's say, the processor of, uh, of the passive tag. So basically the implants, the technology that you work with is passive. The, the thing that you put inside of your skin, of let's say in your hand, it's passive. And then you have your phone that has the computing power is the active device. And, yeah, and, that, and the interaction of both, exactly. Ah, okay. So explain me more how that works, because explain me from the beginning, because I think people are curious about all these ten thousands of people. How did they do it? Or generally, how does someone get so let's talk an about implanted the most device? Let, let's talk about the most simple and popular example, which is, of course, credit or debit cards or prepaid cards. It's all the same from a hard, hardware point of view. The card itself, it's very simple. It has a microchip, which is similar to a hard drive or processor. That's the place where all the data is written and stored. Then the card has also the antenna. The antenna is that component that enables the active device to read the data that is written on the chip. And on top of that, we have this external layer where the microchip and the antenna is sealed in. And therefore, once you tap your card to the terminal, the terminal can read the details of your card and then process the transaction because all the data matches the communication protocol that the terminal speaks in. So it's pretty much the same in terms of implants because implants work exactly the same way. Like the only difference is that they are way smaller and the outer outer layer is not the plastic, but it's just a biopolymer or glass capsule in the in case how, of How big is it? Other. Just so people have an idea, people that are listening, how big is an implant? Wallet more implant that we are offering for more than two years already. 
is similar to a paper clip in size because it has 28 millimeter, it, it is 28 millimeters long and seven millimeters wide. And of course it's flat, as flat as for example, uh, like hard. Okay. So 20, 28 millimeters long and? Seven millimeters wide. Seven millimeters wide. Okay. So and now we understand that that microchip or that implant, sorry, has different components. The first component is the microchip, second component is the antenna. And the third component is the outer shell. And yes. that is comparable to a credit card because the credit card has sort of the same components. And the big difference here is the size of the device. So on the one Precisely. hand, you have the microchip, the, sorry, the implant that is 28 millimeters times seven millimeters. And on the other hand, you have a big credit card that we all know how they look. And exactly. now you have this small implant. What happens next then? Well, if I want to pay with that, I just tap my hands to the payment terminal, the place where the NFC reader is placed and the connection is established and then I pay for my shopping. That's how it works. It's that so instead of, instead of pulling out the credit card, you just tap the terminal with your finger if the implant is on your finger or where is the implant normally? Well, the implant is of course in my hand because of the convenience things. Of course, it's the most convenient way to pay when the implant is near the end of the hand. In my case, it's at the top of the palm between the fourth and fifth finger. Of course, you can also place it in your arm. That's where my first implant, the prototype was placed in the same place where watches are being, are being worn, but it's not super convenient because there you just need to like tap the terminal in a bit more inconvenient way. You just need to. Like, well, you have to turn around. Yeah, you need to almost. turn around. And of course, it was particularly problematic when during the COVID times where we had all this extra protective walls with plexia or glass. So you need to like put half of your hands inside of the counter to make a payment. So it's definitely okay. more convenient to use it, to have it at the top of the palm. Okay. But why would, why do you think someone like someone listening to this conversation would immediately think, why do I want to do this? Why would I do that? I mean, I'm okay paying with my card. I know there are other use cases for the implants, but specifically for this case, why do you think people are doing it already? Is it because of the convenience uh, or why, why are people doing this? So there are three major reasons why people are buying the payment implant. Of course, the first one, as you mentioned, is the convenience because you don't need to carry anything. Neither your phone, neither nor your nor nor cash, of course, no credit card, no smartwatch, nothing. You just need your head. And we conducted a study and asked people, have you ever experienced a situation? I'm sorry, not ever. Have you experienced a situation in the past three months where you wanted to pay for something, but you didn't have the cash card or you had your smart payment device debt? And more than half of the audience said, yes, I experienced that kind of situation. So there is a problem. And if you are talking about the global scale, even such an, let's say, small percentage of the transactions that ended up being abandoned matter. So that's one thing. And the other thing is convenience. Sorry, the other thing is security, because you can always get your phone stolen. You can forget about your card. You can 
forget about the cash, of course, you still need to count cash. And like, I don't need to probably convince anyone that cash is super inconvenient. But even, even, even if you're comparing it to, to phone or, or cards, they are physical. You need to manage them. And implant, you cannot, it's still physical, of course, but you cannot get it stolen. You cannot get it lost. So the implant sort of breaks the sort of linear relationship between safety and convenience. Because, for example, biometrics, it's the alternative that people raise oftentimes that why don't we use biometrics as a payment form? Of course, we can do that. But biometrics have a huge downside that once your fingerprint gets stolen or your iris scan gets stolen, you cannot change it. Like you have one fingerprint for, for your life. So therefore, once you lose it, you, you need to like abandon that fully. On the other hand, we have those electronic tokens as payment methods, such as those cards, phones and stuff. And you can always reprogram them, change a password, change a pin, cancel the card and then order another one with a different data. But you need to manage them. So the convenience aspect is low compared to the uh, biometrics. So implants have both the ultimate level of security and the ultimate level of convenience. And of course, there's this third reason, which is purely, let's say, emotional or emotions, emotions based, because people are buying stuff purely to feel good about themselves and just to have fun with them. Like in the end of the day, that's the root cause of every purchase that, that we experience. And it's probably, I mean, not probably, it's for sure a certain portion of people that are those early adapters or innovators or even evangel evangelists, they are buying the stuff because they want to develop along with the technology and they are buying probably every new gadget that is released in the market. So that's, if you are, if one of the listeners is an evangelist or early adapter of that new technology, they will surely know what I'm talking about. When you, when you say that biometrics can be stolen, what do you mean with that? So for example, we are touching things all the time. If you leave mm. your fingerprint somewhere and it gets scanned, then assuming it's a way you authorize your payments, then if you enable the third person, the individual to get the shape of your fingerprint, they can like print it in an alternative method and then use it as a copy of your fingerprint. And then you will not be able to use it anymore because mm. you cannot change, you cannot reprogram your, your fingertips. Is this happening already? Do I, you know? Uh, I'm not sure if anyone is using that for payment authorization, but I know about the cases like, like this, even maybe it's not the most, let's say, academical example, but even Mythbusters has, have tested that in one of the episodes and they proved mm -hmm. that it's, it's actually possible to, uh, to trick machines with that, those sort of scans. Okay. Of course, I didn't once, know. once we get into the like more advanced technologies and, uh, accommodate more factors into these authorizations, such as the temperature, the 3d scanning of the fingerprint, maybe, but just maybe it might be possible to avoid that situations, but still there is a lot of job to be done in terms of bringing the security of biometrics, the highest level possible, at least as equal as tokens, like the ones that we have with cards or smart payment solutions. And how about the iris? How, how can that get stolen? 
Because you also mentioned that the iris, because also biometric, well, can get stolen. Yeah, let's just let someone take a very high resolution photograph of your iris scan and then it's done. Okay, that's interesting. Never thought about that. So now with the chip, with the, with the, with the implant inside of your skin, let's say in your hand, how I understand that this cannot be obviously removed easily unless someone chops off your hand. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and it's also possible to be removed once I go to the surgeon or body modification specialist and just get the procedure of removing it. It's pretty similar because it's all about squeezing it out just like just like you do with the pimples so yeah. it's very easy but okay so but it is harder to remove or let's say it's harder harder you can to hack not not do it yourself and you definitely need to use some hard devices that will cost a lot that will cost a lot of bleeding and it's not the, the simplest solution like it's it's a huge advantage for the for world more because it's sort of a product that you cannot just throw away once you are bored with with using that because you are sort of linked with that, maybe not for the rest of your life, but for longer period, let's say. Okay. So we talked a bit about the convenience of it and, and the difference between maybe an alternative method for paying that is um, biometric technology. But can you tell me, can we go back to the process and tell me how I, if I'm interested in getting one of these implants and I buy your product on your website, Wallet More? I get a package at home and I get the implant. What happens next? So, of course, the the story ends when you are having this implant installed in your hand and you are able to pay with that. And in order to get it done, you need to schedule an appointment with one of the trusted specialists that we have. We have a network, a large network of trusted professionalists from European Union, UK and United States and Switzerland, Norway as well. And you just need to contact one of these individuals and say, hey, I have a world more implant. You have been recommended to me as a special specialist who can conduct this installation process quickly and safely, because that's the most important thing to have it done safely. And so you just schedule an appointment and you go for that. It's pretty much similar to every uh, appointment, whatever we are talking about, the medical appointment or piercing appointment. So let's not forget about it, that World More Implant is not a payment, it's not a medical device. Like it does not impact your body, your health or your life ability to live, of course, in any way. It's just considered a permanent piercing. And therefore you don't need to be a nurse or a doctor or a surgeon to be able legally install those devices. So that's why you can find multiple piercers and body modification specialists on our partners page. You just got to go to worldmore.com slash page slash partners. And then you can see a huge interactive map. And we probably have an expert, the, the specialist in every major European city. How do you make sure that you're getting reliable specialists to do the implant? Implant, so implantation. I'm, I'm doing the verification process by myself. I always talk to the professional, want to see the experience of that person. We had cases where we like rejected people because if you are a piercer who just did some earrings for the last couple of months, it's not enough for us. You need to be experienced in that. Of course, if you are a surgeon, 
it's like out of question that you can do such uh, procedures. So we we pretty much ask for for the certification and prove that you are a certified medical professional. But if you are a peer, so we look for your experience, we look for your legacy, and in general the opinion that you have among the community. Because when installing implants, we are more talking about body modification, which is, let's say more extreme level of piercing. And therefore, people from body modifications communities know each other very well. It's like very mm. thriving community. And therefore, right. everyone knows everyone. In, as long what as is they body are, like, modification? Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but what, what, give me yeah, an example said, of body modification. As I said, it's a bit more, it's a bit more uh, hardcore piercing. Those are the people that are not surgeons, but they are qualified and certified specialists to do some sort of body modification, such as, for example, splitting your tongue or doing okay. suspension or doing like a big know, uh, ear, ear lob. Yeah. Or piercing in a more, let's say, non-standard places of your body. So everything which is extreme or even subdermal implants made of silicon. Those are the stuff that, that people put inside of the body. So everything which is, let's say, hardcore piercing. Okay, I get it. Why do you think like, okay, so you have an early adopters community of maybe this, let's call them quote unquote, hardcore piercing agents or humans, and then maybe other people that like technology and they just want to be at the forefront of what's happening in terms of technology. And they believe maybe that this is part of the future. But what happens with the rest of the people? Why do you think people in general are against putting, in this case, a payment implant under their skin? I mean, we're already putting so much under our skins anyway. If you look at my arm, for example, my right arm, I have a big scar that goes from almost my shoulder to my elbow. Uh, I broke my arm and then I had a surgery and they put an implant there. I have like 12 screws inside of my right humerus. And then at the same time, two years ago, I broke my ring finger and I also got an implant there. Now, this implant, I didn't question. <laughs> I didn't question, hey, why are you going to put an implant in my body? I don't want that. I trusted that that was the right thing to do. But of course, this is a, we're talking about a necessity almost for my well-being, my life to continue as it was before the accidents I have. In this case, we're talking about payment. So it's not something that you really need necessarily. You know what I mean? Point. So that's, yeah, that's yeah. a very important point. So of course, payment implant has a limited value to the customer because you can only pay with that. Like. Of course, it's a higher level of security, higher level of convenience. It gives you a sensation that you are someone like beyond human. And of course, it's a super amazing value to someone who really understands that. But if you are talking about the majority of Poland or any other country, US, European Union country, because those are the major markets for us, you need to provide them with a more, uh, with, with higher value. So. You mentioned, and also you need to make sure that they understand what they are getting in, implanted. So you, you, you brought a case of medical implants that were put inside of your body and people do not question anything, which is certified medical device. Like as you did that, you broke a finger, you had to, had 
the implant installed and you didn't ask any question. Like, you know that this is a device that will make your life better and that's it. Like, you can see clearly and this is also that's what studies show that there is full social acceptance of medical devices that are implantable. Whatever we are talking about, the pacemakers of implants that are used for repairing the hearing, whatever we are talking about, some artificial materials that are being put inside of your body to stabilize fingers, hands, legs, whatever. People don't question that. They consider that as a granted, that some this is something that will improve their life. So that's actually the reason why we established the second company, which is called Wallet Met, because this is the huge discovery. Like we realize that implants are cool. Like in my opinion, they are super cool, but you can solve a much serious problem with smart implants, which is diagnosing multiple uh, diseases with the implants, with glucose, sorry, diabetes and then glucose, of course, being the priority. We can put smart sensors, biosensors into the implant and based on the infrared light, we can measure the level of parameters, the basic parameters of our body, such as the glucose level, the insulin level, the ketones, the lactate, uh, vitamin D, C, B, E, like you name it, everything. They are how thousands. advanced are you? Sorry, how advanced are you with this already? So j just so people understand, you first started with trying to appeal to the people that were interested in implanting this technology under their skin to make payments. But now yes, you said, okay, that's... Yeah, that, that's, that was the beginning of uh, our journey with, with the implants. We right. started that in 2021, January 2021, we released the first implants, the public in European Union. And uh, as we spoke, we developed a thriving community of more than a thousand people that got the implant installed in their bodies and they are paying with it. They are having fun. Like the implant was well received by the market in general. Of course, it got hate here and there, but as we spoke, it's, it's inevitable. But generally, we understood that there is a way forward for the implants. But how can we increase? We ask ourselves, ourselves a question. How can we increase the value of the, of the product? The technology. Yeah. And we understood that we need to tap on the other market, which is, of course, medicine. Okay, so talk to me more about these implants that measure biomarkers like blood pressure, body temperature, glucose yeah, levels, so, ketones, so, all this stuff. So uh, it's, of course, another company, as I said, it's Wallet Med, a project which is designed to, like, of course, release this new generation implant for measuring those biomarkers. And you're using a technology called Raman spectrometry. And Raman spectrometry is a very advanced technology, of course. And the guy who invented it got the Nobel Prize for that, of course. It was almost 100 years ago, so it's kind of old technology. But given the advancement of the devices that we have, uh, we are the way different scale right now. Because the way Raman spectrometry works is that you use the infrared light to flash at certain place, for example, a substance that you are not aware of or even inside of the body, and then you are measuring the absorption of this infrared light, and then you can see how much of each substance is in that place that you are flashing. So 
Of course, if you are flushing towards the place where you have only one substance, you need to know what is that substance and what kind, what would you like to measure, of course. So you are setting a certain wavelength. And of course, based on that, you can, you can see how large was the absorption. And then based on the scale of light absorption, you can convert this data into the numerical data of a certain amount of substance within certain place. So in the body, for example, if you are measuring glucose, ketones, vitamin 1, 2, 3, 4, 10, or sodium, potassium, for each of these metaboloids, we are selecting a different wavelength for of intra, infrared light, and then we can see what's the absorption of each signal, and therefore the level of each substance. Okay, so when I have the wallet met technology implanted under my skin, this would measure different biomarkers, basically, depending on what I want to measure or, or what is the, what, what so, exactly do I measure? Because you mentioned several things that you can measure, but at you this can point, everything, which is in, which is present, like every substance, which is present in the, in the intercellular fluids, because you are implanting the implant in the fascia tissue. So the measurement in the, is not where, sorry, where are you implanting the in, in the facial tissue, like in the fat, like just below the skin. So there's no contact with the blood directly out there. Mm, there's a fluid okay. that it's called, it, it can be called the interstitial fluid, can be called intercellular flu, flu, fluid. So that that's the substance that also carries all these metaboloids that, that we just mentioned. And therefore, once the implant is put securely there and it's like all this material, organic materials being accumulated around the implant, then when you flush the light, which is of course triggered by NFC, then you can set up a certain parameter for which metabolite you want to measure. For example, let's assume that you would like to measure a glucose level and then you set up, okay, I want to measure a glucose in the app. The app gives the certain parameters of the wavelength that needs to be used for this measurement. And based on one click, you can get the information of what is the level of your glucose. How advanced are you in the process of this, of develop, developing this solution? So uh, we are pretty advanced, I should say, because we have completed the conceptual design of the product. And now we are testing the macro scale prototype on pigs, mm -hmm. I believe. On pigs? Yeah, because pigs are, let's say, the closest friends to us humans that are, let's say, commonly used in the clinical tests. And therefore, the data from pigs will be the most reliable that we can have. Because, of course, it comes down to the ethics, because every clinical study need to be approved by the ethical commission and therefore we are going for pigs. You would okay. not be like allowed to test it on humans at that stage where we are only testing the macroscape prototype. And so far, what have you seen in the test that you think so, course, is interesting? So far, so far, we only have those bioinformatic data that has not been tested on any living organism. And our data and our, let's say, expectations towards the studies on peaks are extremely promising because since it's the implants located inside of the body, there is no interference with the daylight and therefore there is no movement inside as the material, the organic material accumulates around the implant. And therefore, uh, if we compare it to the existing technology, such as, uh, for example, EM system, 
provided by companies like Abbott that has this company or project called Freestyle Libre or Dexcom or even the other company that does implants but not using Gramma spectrometry but using the hydrogel called Eversense. They have the, let's say, error margin around 9%. We believe we can get down to three. So it's going to be super accurate, but we still need to test it. I understand that there's a lot of ways of measuring biomarkers that say your glucose level. The market is already kind of full of solutions of how to measure, especially because there's people that, you know, have diabetes and they have to constantly measure their, their glucose level. So why is this solution, and not only for glucose, but the other biomarkers, why is this solution better than what it's out there already? So as we said, the implant is passive, so you don't need to charge it. If you want to have the measurement, you just need to tap your phone and get the spot measurement. Of course, there's a different conversation where we are talking about continuous glucose or multi-metabolite measurement, because you need to have the data every couple of minutes, let's say, and then you need the constant source of power. In a Freestyle Libre or Dexcom, it's used with a transmitter, which is, of course, the outer layer of the, of the device. And in our case, it would be also simple, because if you would like to have the continuous glucose monitoring system, we will be providing you with a smartwatch or wristband. And it's very important to mention that it will be a special one because all the smart watches that you have or smart bands that has that have the NFC antenna, the the antenna faces the the top of the device. If you want to pay, you just tap the smart watch to the terminal and it's paid. So therefore, it's sending those electronic waves like to the top. In our case, it's going to be the other side. It's going to be sending the waves towards the body where the implant will be located so that it can be powered and read. So that's how we're going to handle that. And since the smartwatch or smart band will be an active device, then we will be also able to accommodate multiple other features in that device, such as linking options with Bluetooth with your phone or even linking options with, sorry, integration options with your personal doctor's system. So whatever there is information about, hey, your glucose or sodium or potassium level drop down to a very extreme level, the emergency contact or doctor knows already that there is something going on with you and you need to be provided with a certain medicine, supplements, or even food. So right now, just to understand correctly, okay, so you're talking about the active device that would be the smartwatch, for example and the passive device that would be the implant inside or under your skin. And that would help us humans to constantly measure, let's say, the level of potassium in our system, right? Is that correct? Did I get it right? Is that happening already somehow with any other technology? Is this something that is possible to do already? Uh, At the moment, no, because it's very important to understand how this Raman spectrometry works. It's fully optical technology, and therefore you need to have a very clear environment to measure that. For example, probably most of our listeners heard the news that Apple is working on a glucometer that will be included in the next generation Apple Watch. And in fact, if you have a look at their patents that they filed, this like thing, this patent has been there 
for five years or something. And it's something that they are working on tirelessly for many, many years now. And the case is that neither Apple nor any other company that is dealing with smartwatches or smart smart bands, smart bracelets, whatever it's it's called, didn't manage to hit that because the interference of a daylight and the difference of skin among the society is huge. And you can like get away of this noise only if you get under the skin, because under the skin, pretty much everyone is the same. The skin is something that is a real difference between between like people around the world. And therefore therefore it's not possible to measure it through through the skin. You need to be there inside. So how how the how is that how is that technology working? The the Apple technology, just the glucometer that Apple is trying to release. How how would that work? So the source of light would be located at the bottom part of the Apple Watch, and then the diode will be like flashing through your skin and measuring the absorption inside of the skin. So mm. it's like so it's like but, but also this technology Raman spectrometry but from the yes. outside basically yes exactly not in a fully non-invasive way so of course it's going to be a game changer but there are let's it, let's imagine a situation that you are trying to see what's outside of the window but having the curtains on without knowing how large are the curtains and what are they made of so still, it's very important to understand one more thing, the most crucial thing for the medtech industry, which is the, med, the medical device certification. Apple Watch needs to have at least 10% margin error in order, uh, sorry, maximum 10% margin error to be classified as a medical device. And given the fact how many challenges they are facing, in terms of this like Raman spectrometry that needs to go through the skin, it's highly impossible that this Apple Watch will be ever certified as a medical device for glucose measurement. So of course it probably would be possible to like see, let's say, expected or average level of glucose, but I don't believe that they will be able to drop the margin error below 10%. It's just because because they're not under the skin. Yeah, because as you can as as I told you, when you are, for example, measuring the glucose level of the black person and white person, there is a huge difference of light absorption that skin does, because skin in the end they also absorbs light. And therefore it's very difficult to give the accurate data for the same people, given the fact that you are using the same device and the same technology and the same parameters. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. What about, what are the kind of, mm, let's say evangelists when it comes to big corporations in the industry or big sectors of the industry, do you find that sectors like, let's say the insurance industry, the health insurance industry would be some sort of evangelist or good, good partner for you or companies like Wallet Med to yeah, bring everyone, this to the masses? Yeah, everyone that has interest to decrease the cost of medical healthcare, everyone who has interest in decreasing the even the death ratio of uh, people who are dying needlessly of 
uh, diabetes should be interested in developing that. Because of course, we are not only making a difference for the users, but we are making a difference to the systems, the whole world. Because imagine how many lives could be saved if people were aware of certain diseases that they have, but they are not aware because they are not willing to uh, do regular health checks. And why they are not keen to do those regular health checks? Because let's face it, they, they are inconvenient, always painful, time-consuming and pricey. And if you give people an alternative to do those health assessments uh, only with a tap of a phone once every few hours or even days, it would make those uh, assessments and diagnosis actually simpler and more effective. And in the end of the day, people will not be dying of the disease that they would, wouldn't be aware of. So it's definitely an advantage for everyone in the system, even someone who is not like suffering from any major disease, because in the end of the day, we all pay like the insurance, we all pay taxes that later on cover the medical systems, at least in Europe. And it's actually something that is a true innovation and advantage for, the, for everyone. When you look at the current status of your industry, let's say the, the, let's call it the implant industry, just right now it's very small, but as you noted, it may be the future or you're probably a firm believer that this is going to grow. Does it ever go through your head, the idea, the possibility that a government, a company or institution at some point obliged its citizens or workers to implant a technology? like this under their skin that contains maybe basic information of each individual, like the name, address, blood type, and maybe if even the vaccine, vaccination status. If that situation happens, wallet more or wallet met will never be a part of that because I believe that everything should be done without forcing anyone to do it. So freedom is the value that I really like and I really believe in. And therefore we will not put our hands into the business like this. So it's out of question, even if that would result in multiple financial or other benefits for the company. We trust our values. We believe that freedom is something that cannot be compromised by governments and therefore we will not be taking part of that project. Do I imagine a situation like this? Probably yes. Like you, we, we all heard about those books like New Brave World or 1984 and like suddenly that's probably the direction where we are heading into sooner or later. And like everything that governments introduce is like the officially it's introduced in order to increase the level of safety for our citizens. But right. let's, let's face it. This is just the argument to make sure that people will accept it and will right. not protest about it. So probably we will hit that sort of extreme level of control or invigilation, that's the word that should be used out there. But definitely we will not be playing the, this game as a company or as an individual, as a founders. Yeah, I understand. And I, I, I definitely agree with you that at least in my case, freedom is one of those strong values that I will never give up to anyone or anything. But if the technology is there, there is a risk, as you pointed out, that something like this may be this this following situation happens when you know there's a new kid, new baby is born, and they 
receive an implant just because, like you said, it's a matter of security or you're going to be better identified if you get lost or if some accident happens, you have the microchip there and anyone can know who you are, what kind of blood type you have, and maybe even what kind of allergies you have. And so when you go in the ER room, uh, even if you're knocked out, everyone will know how to deal with you. So that's yeah, kind are, of like the are, reasoning behind. Certain, yeah, there are certainly multiple positives of that situation. For example, is the one you mentioned. But again, if someone doesn't want that, we cannot force him or her to use it. So personally, I would definitely like to have this information and would like the other people, whatever, those are the first responders or people in the hospital or people who are taking the payments, to have the ability and option to scan it and to provide the service to me in a convenient way, the, the way I want it to, to have it. But if someone has different opinion and different need, let them do what they want. So of course, it would be amazing for me to improve my life to this, this point. And I don't have any like concerns about the security or privacy because I know that how this works and how this data can be used. But for example, if the government tells me, okay, now I want you to have the chip with personal information, for example, the history of your salaries, jobs, travels, like I don't want to share that information with, with my government or anyone else apart from close friends and family, but I'm willing to like share the information of my blood type in case or the other like very crucial health related information in case something happens. So. This is the security level that everyone should set for himself or herself. In my case, it's probably higher than the average person, like this willingness to, to share the data. But still, I also have my limits and I still do not want to share everything about myself. So definitely right. it's about the balance to be found. To be right. found. This, this balance is, is super important. I think from, from an ethical point of view, I think each individual should have the freedom to say yes or no. Problem becomes when uh, problem comes when it becomes a normalized thing in the culture. You have these examples throughout history where things like getting baptized when you're a kid, even though you're, of course, you're a kid, you don't choose if you want to get ba baptized as a Christian or not, or getting circumcised in religions like Judaism or Islam. You're young boy or kid and you don't get to choose <laughs> culturally this is being normalized and you sort of should do it if you want to be part of the culture just because your parents or the people around you think it's normal or think is the right thing so i i i also i'm on the same boat as you i fear that this could go or land in the, this kind of technology could land in the wrong hands and the wrong time of his on history of history and maybe become mandatory the same way it is mandatory to put implants or chips under your dog's skin here in Germany, just because they need to be permanently, permanently identifiable. And of course, with dogs, you kind of have like this thought, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because if my dog gets, gets lost, you know, the police can read the microchip and know that I'm the owner and they will call me. But when it comes yeah, to humans, that, that's, that's a bit more sensitive because then, like you said, there's so many other pieces of data that you don't want to share 
or you don't want to store in a chip like that. Yeah, there's also a very important aspect to mention about right now because we want we are working on a chip or or, or implant, I should say, which is as multifunctional as possible. So you can have the same device that you can use for payments, but also use for those health monitoring things. But also, for example, you want to use it as a carrier of the data about your medical history, but also about, for example, I don't know, travel plans or loyalty cards of certain brands. And it's very important, for example, to let know, to, to enable, for example, a dentist that you are visiting, that there is something wrong with your particular tooth which is located, for example, on the left side at the bottom, and the history of that treatment was this, this, and this, but you don't necessarily want that person to read the information about, for example, your shoe size <laughs> that you are wearing. Or your uh, travel plans. Which, which yeah. Is, yeah, which is, on the other hand, important for the other partner, which will, would be like linkable with, with that system. So it's also important to set the boundaries as well, and we are taking that very seriously. and. As I said, like privacy and doing everything according to the customer's willingness and willingness to, to share data is is what what we are developing and, and working accor accordingly. So it will always become it will always maintain the priority position at at our company. When you look at the demographics of the of the user base of your product or of this technology in general, maybe not only your companies, but when you look at also the competitive landscape, what kind of, you already told me that you have some early adopters and stuff, but what other parts of the population are you positive that you will onboard or you will convince, so to say, in the so next year? We are, we are developing this World Met project and World Met implant to capture market of diabetics and people who are willing to check other metabolites and therefore the social acceptance will not will not be an issue because if you compare the implant the permanent implants to the solutions for measuring glucose level that are currently available on the market there's a huge difference because you can either choose between stitching your hands multiple times a day or checking sorry uh, replacing the sticky sensor from Freestyle Libre or Dexcom every two weeks and pay huge amounts of money for that, or have the implant installed once and having it replaced every 10, 20 years, for example. So from a value perspective and let's say competitive advantages, we are the top of the game right here. So probably it's as simple as it is. And every people, every person who is like thinking rationally about it We'll go for wallet wallet med implant. So what what is it? What are you missing to to have this take off? Uh, it takes time because we just started this project in August last year, and as I said, we are right now like preparing to uh, launch the the preclinical trials and pigs, and we will have the empirical data from like living organism, and therefore based on the outcomes of these studies, we will like start working on like the actual product that will be later on put in the subject of uh, clinical trials in humans and then receive the medical certification, everything goes fine. So it's just the beginning of a journey and you're probably aware of the fact that developing any medical device takes a hell of a time and it's it's normal. Like it's it's normal and it's definitely something that everyone understands or everyone who should 
understand understands. And we are fundraising. We will close. We are closing actually first investment rounds, external investment fund rounds. Sorry, we are sort of. I was gonna. Like I was gonna with that, but we are yeah. yet to like uh, announce it officially. But it's a hard work. But still, I believe that given the fact how advanced it is, and given the fact that eventually people who should understand understand what we are talking about. There should be no major issue once we have the actual empirical data with raising further further funds. I was going to ask us. I know clinical trials and in general bringing a medical solution out to the marketplace it's quite expensive. So I was going to ask about the funding. So you're basically getting external funding from investors. Yes, and of course. Of course, the first like. First few steps were covered by profit generated by Wallet More. And yeah. uh, now, since we are getting serious about it, we are raising external investment. And do you talk to the more traditional pharmaceutical companies when it comes to funding or when it comes to maybe having your idea validated or yeah, like, simply look uh, at from their eyes? Today, what, what do they say? Even today, I had a call with one of the German companies. I don't want to like give the name out at the moment, but yeah, like the the uh, you know when you're talking to a corporation which is like hundred years old, they usually have tens of thousands of employees and they are being pitched by medtech startup every <laughs> couple of hours. So they are generally very positive and wish our our company luck. But in terms of investments, everyone says the same thing that give us the real, the reliable data, the empirical data, the results of our, your studies, and then we will talk. Like if that yeah. happens, we are totally on board. That's major, not only from pharmaceutical companies, but in general, from every like serious player in the, in the game, whatever we are talking about, VCs or corporate ventures or even charities. So. We need to, they need to be 100% sure, maybe not 100, but they need to be sure that there's no major, like the, the hypothesis has been validated on a living organism. Yeah. But given the data that we have, we are fairly sure that it's just a matter of time in our case. And so how do you see this in the future in the next 10, 20 years, like um, in the fields definitely, of payment or in the fields of medicine? Definitely in terms of medicine, everything would be possible to be measured by the optics that we will have embedded in the implant. In terms of payments and let's say identification purposes, we will truly like equip the same implant, the same medical implant with the other features such as payments, identification, login, loyalty cards, documents such as passport, ID, driving license. I don't know, we work cards or like even test lucky. It's it's possible to to upload to the implant. So we expect the market to be, let's say, very integratable so that the company that is using any sort of identification authorization system form factor would or should be interested in like being also a part of the of the game here. That's my hope and that's my expectation for the next couple of years. When I was preparing for the interview, I thought I had a thought and I'm going to share it with you and I want to know what you think or if you have also thought about this idea. You know how nowadays your success 
or throughout history probably, but in our times, our success or our sort of level of life quality that we have is determined by several factors or circumstances. Like, let's say the country you're born, meaning the kind of passport you hold, or the city where you live, meaning the kind of life quality you have and the access to, for example, medical services. So I guess the question is, do you think that at some point in the future, one of those factors that determine your success, happiness, or life quality is how technologically enhanced is your body? Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, like that's, uh, I mean, probably the first word that you use for describing myself is transhumanism or transhumanist. And of course, like there's this famous quote by Mr. Darwin, uh, either adapt or die. No doubt about it. And of course, it's a very extreme scenario, but I definitely believe that how the, the level of body augmentation will be one of these factors that will impact our life quality. Because imagine you can diagnose any potential disease or even predict the disease at the very early stage. Like it's something that everyone is seeking. So it's definitely something that will impact the quality of our life. So of course you, you when you have any disease where it's chronic or not chronic, whatever it's like aggressive or not aggressive, it causes some damage to your life. And I'm not only talking about everything that is related to that disease, such as treatment and spending time for that money and stuff, but it also impact multiple other dimensions of your life, such as social life, mental health, money, of course, like the uh, readiness to jump on another path of your career, like everything. And it's super complex. Like having that part of our life compromised compromises pretty much whole life. So we definitely want to avoid that. And probably like just to finish up this, this let's say statement, it was Warren Buffett who said like a month ago, probably that in his opinion, the only companies that will be multi-billion dollar companies in the future, like leading segment of the companies that will be multi-billion dollar companies will be med techs. Because in the end of the day, that will be the most important problem to solve. Because of course we have people from online dimensions, like people provide, like companies providing all sorts of online services done with AI, some advanced programming and stuff. But given the fact how technology is, let's say, making everything simpler and simpler, everything which is available online will be cheaper and cheaper. And therefore, people will be spending and prioritizing their health much more than they are doing it right now. Interesting. So there will be sense. more money on the market. That makes sense. And there will be more time, more education, more awareness of how we can get healthier, how we can have better course, life. But those are not my words. Those are Warren Buffett's words, but I definitely second that. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, do you think it, the, if, if that's the way we go, is there a problem or do you find it a problem that big, maybe pharma companies are sort of like gatekeeping their, their, their current status because they want to keep, in other words, people sick? Uh, sadly, yes. Like I know from like firsthand experience about two cases like this in like our market, which is like monitoring, moni monitoring those parameters. And sadly, that's 
that's the way it is. Like still money is the name of the game here. And like, so how can monitoring become the, the cash cow for it? Because of course this, this company, so for example, are... if you have a company like wallet Mad that discovers alternative methods to measure glucose, making it, let's say 20 times cheaper than standard glucometers, what's the point for the market leaders to like invest in our company if it's like a self cannibal cannibalization, like they would prefer exactly. to buy it and just close it or put it into further research or whatever it's called exactly. more elegant <laughs> term. And I'm aware, like having been in this market for a while, I like, I'm aware of at least two examples that of the companies that ended in, in, in that scenario, which is sad because those were very like promising and working very well, well received by the early adopters technologies and they were actually solving the, the real problems, but two major big pharma companies bought it and put it into the shelves and that was it. So yeah, self-cannibalization for those big pharmas is, it's an issue. And so that's why we are also taking into account the fact that having such a partner on board may not result in having the same vision for the company as we have. That makes sense. So maybe it's not the right partner. Well, I, it depends. Like we need to assess everyone one by one, like every, every company one by one. So we, I, I'm just going to say that we need to have a look at that and be very careful. And it's right. not only about wallet, wallet, Matt or wallet more, but every company, uh, that is truly changing the world in certain niche. If there's something that entrepreneur who is listening to this, who is listening to that podcast may think of, please think about this. If your potential business partner will not be willing to block you down and kill your idea eventually in order not to self-cannibalize. Absolutely. Well, Wojtek, it was a pleasure to have you here. Is there any last word or last thing that you would like to share with my audience? Uh, I'm just going to say that I'm very happy to share anything about this technology and the project. So if there's anyone willing to talk further about anything about it, feel free to reach me out on LinkedIn on through email. My email is Wojtek at WalletMet.com or at WalletMore.com. But I prefer to use WalletMet because it consumes 90% of my time at the moment. And yeah, I would be more than happy to discuss further details with everyone if someone is into to talk to me. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, man. I hope you had fun. And this was a super interesting topic for me personally, but I hope also for part of my audience or most of my audience, I think is, as we said in the beginning, maybe a controversial topic, but it could be part of the future. And that's why I invited you here at the Mr. Rat Show. I like to invite people like you that are working with cutting edge technology, almost in the frontier of, you know, do I hate it or do I love it? <laughs> so I wanted to have you here. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. I learned a lot from you and I'm getting very grateful again that we managed to make this episode. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Have a good evening in yeah. Sri Lanka. Thank you very ciao, much. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Here at The Mr. Rad Show, we provide first-hand information straight from the original source of knowledge. The personal opinions of our guests don't necessarily reflect those of Mr. Rad. This show is brought to you by The Rad House, an unbiased, transparent, agendaless, independent media house. 
Our theme music is written and produced by Marco Mello.